You are listening to New Life The Fort. We pray that this season, you take possession of every good gift God has prepared for you. If you are blessed by this message, write to info at newlifethefort.com. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to start from 6 all the way to 8. The Lord our God spoke to us in Oreb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, and in the lowland in the south, and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Somebody say, possess the land. Which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them and their descendants after them. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Help us have sensitive hearts to what you have uh, to say today. Thank you, Lord God, that we will see, we will hear clearly. And not only that, that you give us the strength, the boldness, that we may be strong and courageous to step into what you have prepared for us this 2017. I pray that for each and every individual here, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Um, this year, let me encourage you that at the beginning of the year, just, just like our God, He speaks the end from the beginning. He speaks the end from the beginning. How you want to see 2017 don't just wait for it to pass by, but begin to declare what you see from the Lord and speak it out here on the earth. In fact, it is, you'll see it wired into the scripture that we just read. Uh, let me just uh, highlight the names of the different places here. Oreb, the Bible says God spoke to us in Oreb. Oreb is a place, um, it's, a, it's a dry place, it's a desert, it's a desolate place. So don't ever think in times of struggles, in times of desert places that you don't hear God. God is speaking even at your most challenging times, right? And what He speaks, He speaks spirit and life. He will always speak life to you, right? He will not condemn you. He will not accuse you. There's one who accuses in the wilderness. That's the, that's the enemy, um, the word Canaan means uh, Amorite, sorry, Oreb means desert. Amorites, it means, or Amorite, it means um, to speak, to declare, or it's a sayer, somebody who speaks or declares. Canaan means zeal or passion. Actually, it actually means uh, also possession, right? So if you want to possess something, speak it with zeal. Lebanon means whiteness or or whiteness symbolizes purity or, or your righteousness, that you are redeemed. Euphrates means fruitfulness. So you have desert, you have speak or declare or say, you have zeal, you have whiteness, you have fruitfulness. So I say it this way. God speaks even in times of desert moments. God speaks. So what you hear Him speak, say Declare, speak with zeal that you may possess what, is, what you have as righteousness of God and this brings fruitfulness in your life, right? So I, I say again, this year find yourself giving a good report, 
Remember the Israelites? There were a couple of spies who went, but only two gave a good report. You will give a good report this year. Good report. Report also means it's, it's a sound that you make because there was an original sound. God releases the original word and we speak what he says because what he says will change your situation. Give a good report. Speak good this year. I say this. Speak your way into possessing. Speak your way into possession. There are certain things that have been laid out for you. Speak them. And then, if there are times that uh, pressure or all these things coming upon you, well then, speak your way out of oppression. You can speak your way into possessing, possession, and speak your way out of oppression. Amen? Who among you will not be afraid to speak this year? To declare. Remember, uh, uh, I, I said this yesterday that don't allow 2017 to pass by without you making noise. Without you declaring something. You are not without a word. Right? You are not without a word. In fact, uh, let me re- re- read this because I said this uh, last uh, January 1. That it would take a certain level of aggressiveness. It it's necessary for us to have a certain level of aggressiveness so that we can begin to possess, right? You can't just possess just sitting and, you know, doing really nothing and just uh, pretending that you're being spiritual and praying. But there's a certain level of action, right, that we need to take. In Matthew chapter eleven twelve, you've seen this in... in I heard this in many preachings. It says there, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent takes it by force. It means now, it could mean a lot of things. You know, you read commentaries, hear different preachers. But it means for us, for you and I, speaking of having that aggressiveness, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully. It's moving. It's not static. That's why Jesus said that the church that he builds, even the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You are on the offensive, right? You are on the offensive without being offensive, right? So you move. The kingdom of God is moving. And it it also says the violent takes it by force. Or you can say we are violently taking hold or taking possession of what heaven has in store for us. Right? Yes, it's available for you, but you need to still reach out and receive it because God's not going to force it upon you. Amen? So who among you, who among you can use a little bit of boldness this year? Who among you can use a little bit of courage this year? All of us would need. Because when God shows you now, you can either look at the circumstance and be scared. But at the same time, you can look at the plans of God that are big and you go, wow, how's that going to happen? And feel... Uh, scared of stepping out. But when God invites you to, to step into what He has prepared, He will also equip you so that you're prepared. Amen? It takes a certain level of aggressiveness to possess. It would take boldness. It would take being strong and of good courage. In fact, that was uh, last week. If you were here, uh, they were talking about being Uh, strong and of good courage. Well, it seems good to just 
Go back to that. Let me read Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. You guys ready? Okay. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. It says here, Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Have you ever felt scared before? You know the Bible says, Let the weak say, I am strong. Now, a beautiful thing about the grace of God is this. It is attracted to the weakness of man. It is attracted to the weakness of man. But you're not supposed to operate out of your weakness. You may feel weak and inadequate. But the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Don't say, don't declare your weakness. We're not boasting about our weakness in a sense that, you know, I'm sick, I'm dude, I'm poor. No, declare what God has done. This will infuse you with strength. That the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. See, it's not your joy that will give you strength. It's the joy of the Lord that gives you the strength. Because your joy is limited. Your strength is limited. But if we get it from the Lord, if our source is the Lord, then you have unlimited supply. So grace is attracted to man's weakness, but it is you recognizing your weakness and approaching God in humility, then grace comes. And grace empowers. Grace is more than sufficient for whatever comes your way. Amen? Praise the Lord. Be strong and of good courage for To this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Let me read all the way to verse 9. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Anybody wants to prosper? Praise the Lord. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I declare good success for you this 2017. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, be, this, this phrase, be strong and of good courage, is actually found four times in the, in the book of Joshua chapter 1. The first three, God spoke it directly to Joshua. The last one, the people spoke to Joshua. I will focus on the, the ones that God directly spoke to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Now, God does not repeat words uh, just because He wants to. Meaning, he doesn't say it without a purpose. Every time God speaks, it's for a purpose. When things are repeated in Scripture, it's, it, it, it says something about its importance. In fact, uh, how many times you... you uh, apparently, there's uh, 365 times in the Bible that uh, it would say, Do not be afraid. One for each day of the year. Because we need to hear it. It's not like one time hearing and you got it. A lot of things that you hear in, in scripture, that you hear in preaching, we need to hear again and again because it's food for our soul. Right? The Bible says, 
Um, you do not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So even when God was speaking to Joshua, Joshua needs to hear it from the Lord time and time again. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Now, there, there are three times that God said it, so we will focus on three things, right? But I will start at the, the last one that he said, going up to the first, okay? The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The last time he said it, he said, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. The very first thing to realize the reason why you can be strong and courageous is that God is with you. You have relationship with Him. Before our sin and all the things that we've done before, even our uh, uh, good works that we're trying to use so we can approach God, it, there's, a div- there's a divide. There's a gap between us and the Lord. But thank God for Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross. He took out that distance between us and now we are in Him. He is in us. We have relationship with the Lord. He is in you. I don't know if you remember the times when you're praying to the Lord and it's if you, you don't even know if your prayers are heard. But the Bible says this is our confidence that whatever, uh, whatever we ask when we petition Him according to His will, He hears us. Jesus prayed before He raised Lazarus. Thank, I, thank you, Father, that you, you hear me and that you always hear me. If you are confident that you are in Christ, He hears you. Amen? Now, our prayers may not be perfect all the time, but guess what? He hears us anyway. We have boldness because we know He is with us. Everything stems out from your relationship with Him. Right? Every issue of your life you need to remember that you are in relationship with Him. Let me read the Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. In the Amplified, it says here that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself. What? The love of Christ. To know that He loves you deeply, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. In other words, know that He loves you, but know that He loves you experientially. Because the very word to know Him, you know, you understand this in romantic relationships, you try to get to know somebody because you want to be intimate with them. You, you want to bear your heart. You want to have that closeness that you don't share with just anybody. That, is that true? Now, if that's true in human relationship that is dear to you, how much more important it is to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. And He made Himself open to you that you can have that relationship with Him. Even Jesus said, the way we were one before, before the world began, I pray that they be one with you. He says that, meaning the closeness that Jesus and the Father shares with one another is now available to, uh, to you and for me through Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's something to rejoice. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm just going to keep preaching until you get it. Hallelujah. Don't, 
I pray this, that we don't get too familiar with relationship with the Lord and knowing the Lord because that's something that we need to continue to hear as a church. Because what did the Bible say? You know, there's three things that will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is? So don't get used to knowing or hearing God loves you. It's something to rejoice about. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God loves me. God loves you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. He loves me. Let it be so real to us that we respond to it in our spirit immediately. Amen? Intimacy. That is why God says, be strong and of good courage because I am here with you. Listen to this. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, he says it to Joshua before he even said, be strong and of good courage. He says this. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. what, What does that mean? That wherever you go, you will be victorious. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. It doesn't mean nobody will try to come against you, but whatever it is, it will fall. Amen? You will find yourself victorious. Why is that? Second line. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. It's not because you're strong on your own. It's because God is with you. The reason why no man shall be able to stand against you because God is with you. Let's read it in Romans. It's, it's, uh, it's reflected in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, 38, and 39. What shall we say to these things? What are these things? The things that's coming against you. If God is for us, come on church, you can say that better. Say it with joy. If God is for us, good morning, New Life to Fort. If God is for us, that's a good reminder in the middle of battle. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me. Who can be against me? And then it goes on and says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is absolutely nothing. Once you've given your life to Him, there's absolutely nothing Not even you. Not even anything that's created. In the spirit world or in the natural world, there's absolutely nothing that will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Even if you make a mistake. Even if you make a mistake. Now, you don't, you know, pre-plan that I'm going to make a mistake anyway. It just simply means you don't understand the grace of God. Because the grace of God empowers you to say no. Because you're not a slave to your old self anymore. You're a free man. Amen? I pray that we understand this great love, this love of the Lord. In Hebrews, it is, uh, you see it again in Hebrews. In Joshua, it says, no man shall be able to stand against you because I will not leave you nor forsake you. Well, then let's read it in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, somewhere in the middle of verse 5 and verse 6 in the Amplified. It says, there, it says there, for he, God himself, has said. So God, who, who's speaking this one? God. And he said, I will not 
in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. No, those are very strong words. He said, I will not, I will not, I will not. I don't know if somebody's tried to convince you that no matter what, I'll be there. And if we believe a person that no matter, you know what, I'll be there. I'll, I'm, I'm there for you. And somehow, even if you're feeling down and somebody says that to you, you're encouraged. Now let's look past a human being. This is God saying, I will not, I will not, I will not. I will make sure that I'm with you because I'm going to make you my home. You are God's home. He's staying with you, right? What does it say then after verse 5 when he said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So we take comfort and are encouraged, okay, and confidently and boldly say, what's that? Being strong and courageous. Because you know he's with you. I am strong and courageous. I take comfort and courage and boldly say. Wait a minute. So because you know he's with you, you find yourself speaking. Because you will boldly say. Right? The first step of possession is speaking. <laughs> you want to possess something? Begin to speak it. Amen? Encourage and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. <laughs> I will not be seized with alarm. Disconnection notice. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear nor dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? There will be no man that's able to stand you. What can man do to me? Amen? But that boldness stems out of being intimate with Him. You know how Jesus was intimate with the Father? This is Jesus in His earthly ministry. The time He was here on earth. He, he found, you, you find Him in prayer. Prayer is the great connector. You pray unto the Lord because intimacy happens in that place of being quiet with Him, hearing Him out. I pray that this year you find yourself more on your knees. Now, maybe that's not a you know, literal term, but it's, it's just a picture of being in prayer. And prayer doesn't have to be limited in a certain place at a certain time because you can always connect with Him. A lot of people, uh, I'll use this analogy, prayer is used during emergencies. Now, is, let's put it in the picture of a car. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Right? Some people go, oh, you know, there's a, the, 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 the tire blue, emergency, Lord, spare tire. But what if it's your steering wheel, meaning you can't get anywhere without it? It is what gives you direction. Amen? Get that picture in our heads. That's a, you know. So intimacy. Somebody say intimacy. 
Then, next one. Let's read the next one. Verse 7 is the longest part here. It says, only be strong and be very courageous. He says that for a reason. That you may observe to do according to all the way, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. In other words, uh, observing the law means that you, can, you follow and be obedient to what he has said. Now, of course, they were specific about the law of God. But we know that Jesus fulfilled the law. We're not anymore under the law. We're not even sacrificing animals and all of that. But there are certain things that God speaks to you. Instructions, directions, wisdom. That if you heed what He is saying, it will lead you to success. But it's hard to be obedient and to trust what He's saying without being intimate with Him. So obedience is a lot easier when you know you have intimacy. That's why... It's, it's number two in my list. Intimacy first, then obedience. Now, let's look at some scriptures here about obedience. Okay? The focus, the initial focus is not your obedience. Right? Yes, it has a place, but it's not the initial focus. The focus always is Jesus. Jesus' focus but the obedience of, there's something about the obedience of Christ that we need to keep going back to. Let's read that. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Therefore, by one man's disobedience, okay, many were made sinners because somebody disobeyed. First one. So also, by one man's what? Obedience. Who's this one man? So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Because you believe the obedience of Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross, that made you righteous. You are not righteous because you obey. You are righteous because you believed His obedience. Right? In Philippians chapter 2, it it becomes a little bit more specific what this obedience is. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of even the death of the cross. So, it's not just any kind of obedience, but this obedience that the scripture is talking about, what Jesus did, is not his earthly ministry. It goes beyond that, but more specific about his obedience, even uh, to the point of death, the death of the cross. The death on the cross. So, it's talking about the obedience that Christ Jesus uh, did in the finished work. Amen? Verse, so if you understand that obedience that he died for me, that specific obedience, that one time sacrifice that he did, the Bible says it will empower you if you put that in remembrance, if you focus on that, that that will empower you to uh, do warfare. 
What am I saying? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. Listen. The whole idea of Joshua is them crossing over, right? Crossing over to the promised land. And what did they do? They conquered the land. So there was warfare in the book of Joshua. In, in our life as believers, there's also warfare, but not, we're not, we're not uh, using, we're not warring in the natural, but there's a spiritual thing. And, the, and the, the weapons that you have is also mighty. Let's read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. Listen, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It says it's mighty in pulling down strongholds. In Joshua, they pulled down a stronghold of Jericho. The walls of Jericho fell down. But in Jesus Christ, He's given you something that will pull down strongholds. It will cast down arguments and every high thing or imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It means that whatever you know, who you are in Christ and the things that He's made available for you, anything that comes against that, you have weapons to take down. And what is the weapon that He says here? Bringing every thought into captivity to the... I'll say that again. Bringing every thought into captivity to the... Very specific. It's the obedience of Christ. You are reminding yourself, this thought is illegal. I will make sure that it, is, it remains captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm thinking about what Christ Jesus did on the cross. It's His obedience, not yours. That is the focus. Because you know how many times you've tried to concentrate, I will obey, I will obey, I will obey. And you did exactly the opposite. Because you're trying to generate strength out of your own efforts. But if you focus on what he did, the Bible says in the message, that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, think about what he did on the cross item by item. See, it is the memory of the finished work that will give you strength to stand and say no to imaginations that is not from the Lord. Amen? Is this clear? Now, out of that, it gives you strength now to be obedient to the specific instructions that God has for you. Out of the intimacy, out of knowing what Christ does, out of knowing His obedience will give you the, the uh, strength to step out and obey Him. And obedience to Him will lead you to personal conquests, personal victories. Amen? Who among you are interested in having personal conquests and victories? Listen, it says here, didn't we read a while ago, it says, um, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, again speaking, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to to do according to all that is written in it. For then, what will happen? You will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. What happens 
when you realize that you have strength to uh, obey what he is saying, it will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. There's success, but there's good success. Amen? There's, a, there's being rich and wealthy, but there's being rich and wealthy that adds no sorrow. Amen? What's the reason? Now listen to this. This is very interesting about being a successful person. In Genesis chapter 9, we see the story of Joseph. And it just simply says that now Joseph, at this point, he was a slave. He was just fresh out of the boat and he just got bought. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think anyone here came out of the boat and, be, be, uh, and was sold to be a slave, right? Is that a right assumption? Hopefully, yes. Okay? So, you can say that was not the most ideal of situations. But then, there was something that God put in there just to remind us, to remind Joseph probably, that there's nothing, whatever situation, there's no situation that God take, can't take you out of Because it says here, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a... Anybody want success? Know that the Lord is with you. Wherever you are right now, right now. Maybe you're not seeing yet the success that you want to see in your life. But if the Lord is with you, you are a successful person. So your success is not based on what you do. Your success is based on who you're in relationship with. Amen? The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. He, was just, got, he just got bought as a slave. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 in the NIV. It says there, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. And he says, I'm about to go, to the, I'm about to go the way of the, all the earth. Now David, just remember... He's a man after God's own heart. So would you say he has a really close relationship with the Lord? Intimacy, right? And then out of that, he's speaking now. He's advising or putting a charge to his son Solomon, who's in charge to be king now. He says, be strong. Does that sound familiar? Be strong. So be strong. Act like a man, he says. Be a man. I don't know if you've heard that before. So (laughs) be strong and act like a man. And observe what? Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. I have to be obedient. No, no, you're missing the point. It's out of relationship. David was speaking out of his experience and his relationship with the Lord and he is advising, putting a charge to his son. You follow what he says and you will be, you will be prosperous. What did it say? That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter where you end up in. If the Lord is with you, He will instruct you and you'll find yourself on top anyway. This year, you will be on top, not the bottom. You will be the head, not the tail. And you find yourself 
uh, I declare multiple promotions that does not make sense because you're not even qualified for the position. But then it's not about your qualification, it's God equipping you for that position. Somebody said, you know, the year of possession is also the year of position. So either you say it possession or position, puesto, it's up to you. Pastor Mitch said this in Psalm 65, verse 11, about the year. You crown the year with fruitful harvest. The paths are, are worn down by carts overflowing with unstoppable growth. You see, God said, you will make your way prosperous. There's a specific path for you that God designed. You're not, don't, you know, unless you're just, you want to be encouraged, you look at another path and say, you know what, I rejoice in their path. But you have a specific path. And this path overflows with goodness. Amen? Lastly here, so you have intimacy, you have obedience, and now you find yourself in a position of leadership. What did it say here? Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Joshua was, for the longest time, he was serving Moses. He did not uh, disregard time of preparation. He was prepared for the role of leadership. He went through the process. And he experienced private victories that positioned him for public victories that then put him in place that he can lead people to experience private victories on their own. Remember David. David said to uh, Saul, I've defeated the lion, I've defeated the bear. Private victories. And now he was brought to a place where he was going to have a public victory. It's a victory that he will have in behalf of the people of Israel. But also that positioned him later on to be king that he can lead his people to their victory as a nation and victory as an individual in their, in their uh, citizens of their nation. Do not be surprised this year that you find yourself in a position where you have influence over a certain group of people. You have a sphere of influence because God has brought you to these Victory after victory after victory that nobody cannot deny, can deny anymore that there's something in you. Just like Potiphar saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He doesn't even believe the Lord. But he can't help saying, the Spirit of your God is with you. I pray that you find yourself positioned for leadership, for influence, not because you want power or that authority, but your heart is to be of service. Amen? A couple of things I want to share with you here. Hallelujah. In the book of Joshua, we were, it's very evident that we see see Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, uh, the book of Joshua is about conquering and possessing the land. 
But then God, through Jesus Christ, is the one leading us to possess. Remember, in, in Scripture it says, you know, I'm, we are possessing that which first possessed us, which is Christ Jesus. We will have a very... Uh, um, we will not have a very clear understanding or view of what possession means unless we view it in the eyes of being in Christ. Because what we're going to get after, we're just after position and promotion and things. and Those are all just side effects of our true possession, which is in Christ. Because in Joshua, we find very clearly Jesus Christ. Joshua, Yehoshua, Je- uh, Jehovah is salvation. That's what it means. It's not an accident that their names sound similar. Yeshua, Jesus. Joshua came after Moses. Jesus came to fulfill the law. When you say the law, people right away refer to Moses. So, Joshua came after Moses. Jesus came to fulfill the law and release the grace of God. Joshua was a servant that became a leader. Jesus is a a king that became a servant. Joshua became the commander of the army of Israel. Well, Jesus is the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua was divinely appointed, appointed by Moses, confirmed by God. Jesus was divinely appointed. There's a voice that spoke, this is my beloved son. uh, Joshua was confirmed after the crossing of Jordan. God said, this point I will make your name great. What happened to Jesus? Jesus started out his earthly ministry after Jordan. When he was baptized, came out, the voice of the Lord spoke. Joshua led the people to victory. While Jesus always leads us to triumph. Always leads us to triumph. Joshua, during one of the battles, he asked for the sun and the moon to be still. Jesus on the boat He commanded the winds and the waves to be still. Joshua brought down the stronghold of Jericho. But Jesus brought down the stronghold of sin and death. Joshua divided the inheritance to the people. Jesus released the inheritance, heavenly inheritance to his people. You cannot take away conquering in the idea this season of possession there will be things that you will conquer but the bible says this in christ you are more than a conqueror conquering has nothing to do with ruling people when the israelites conquered the land possessed the land they were not ruling the people there Because in Christ, you don't rule people. Reigning has very little to do with being in control. 
A lot of us, we don't want to step out because we feel like we're not in control. That's why we need to trust God that He's always in control. It's Him. It, it's better that it, that's Him controlling the things than you. Because He sees everything. We are limited. So I'll say this. Reigning in life has little to do with being in control. But has everything to do with being surrendered to His will. Amen? Close your eyes and bow your heads. Let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the day. We thank you, Lord God, that your people here in New Life, the Fort, and people that are watching online, thank you, Lord, that there are victories that you have prepared for them. That truly, truly this year, they will step out. I say, New Life, the Fort, be strong and of good courage. Know that you, are, you have intimacy, you have relationship with the Lord. And if you follow and be obedient to the things that he's saying, conscious of the obedience of Christ on the cross, you find yourself and your path dripping with abundance, prosperous and having good success. And that you find yourself positioned to influence people that they would discover the love of God and find their victories in Christ. I pray that for each and every person here. Amen and amen. Well, close your eyes and bow your heads just for a little bit longer. If there's anybody here that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, know that the reason why He did that on the cross is so that He can release forgiveness to you. You cannot pay for your sin. He was the one with His own body that brought down sin and death. Right now, even as Jesus surrendered to God's will, in order for you and I to receive that full forgiveness and have absolutely new life in Him, we also need to surrender our lives to Him. If this is you, I want you to raise your hand up in the air. I'm going to count to three. And when I reach three, just raise your hand if you want Jesus in your life. One, know that He loves you. Two, that He died for you. Three, that you are forgiven. Go ahead and raise your hand. There's people. There you go. I see some hands being... Just uh, let it remain uh, raised for a bit. There you go. There's a couple of people at the back. Thank you, Lord. Maybe on the, on the fourth floor, maybe online. You can bring your hands down now. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. I'm going to ask you to speak it uh, so that you can hear yourself at least. I'm going to ask everyone else to just help and support you and be in prayer with you. Say this with me. Jesus, I thank you that in you, I am more than a conqueror. The past is done away with. The new has come. Today, I have a new life in you. Even as I surrender my life to you, I receive your life, the God kind of life. I look forward to the victories that you have in store for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.